Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady, and I'm reporting for duty. Yes, Terry, what about you? I'm reporting for duty also. I'm the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. Jesse, this is going to be one of those amazing shows. Uh, I'll tell you why. We're going to be giving information out on our good friend, Bishop O'Connell, eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, who perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. He died Friday. The only bishop in the United States of America who, I'm going to say, was shot to death. And we're going to talk about him. He was murdered. He was murdered. And we're going to tell circumstances that nobody knows other than the police. I mean it. And we're going to, and it's, I guess I just heard that at noon today, they're going to, they found the guy, they caught the guy who murdered Bishop O'Connell, person, person of interest at the very end. Yeah, person yeah, of person interest, of interest. Yeah. But usually that ends up they arrested him. I bet you. Well, we'll see. Time will I bet tell. You, I bet. I, yeah, they're usually pretty. They got like a ninety-nine point nine percent accuracy yeah. rate. When they arrest you, you're guilty. Yeah, and also we're going to talk about Pope Francis must stop the madness. Bishop, excuse me, Father Jerry Murray, our good friend. Finally, I mean, he came out and just said, oh, "Holy Father, with all due respect, you're wrong." And we have respect for the office of the papacy, but we have respect mostly for the salvation of souls, and we need accuracy when it comes to the faith. Also, we've got a growing number of bishops criticizing uh, the Senate. That's important. But also, like I said, a Catholic bishop who regularly prayed outside abortion clinics. Uh, he was shot to death. He's also been involved in spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about uh, the, his connection with Father Chad, who helped him uh, with his spiritual warfare tools, so this was a this was a man that uh, I'll just be honest with you, Jess. He took the his devil, priesthood serious. Yes, and the devil didn't like a bishop like that who, who oh, understood no. his power to help people free themselves from the Satan uh, clutches. So this is going to be our show. Uh, but before we get to that, Jess, I I also have something really big. I look for Fulton Sheen clips all my life, and two months before Bishop Sheen died, his last media. Uh, media appearance was a question and answer regarding marriage and abortion. And when you hear what he has to say, I'm going to make a joke about it because I think every Catholic bishop in Rome and everywhere should hear the advice of this great bishop. So that's what we got. But before, Jesse, how about some good to know file? Anything on your end? Yeah, Terry, a couple of good to know file items are the National Archives Museum officials this week, they signed a legal agreement to ensure that the staff that they will never repeat a recent incident in which they told pro-lifers to remove their pro-life hats or leave the building. So the officials at the museum have offered the plaintiffs in a lawsuit over the incident a tour of the National Archives Museum and a personal apology. Uh, The agreement does not settle the visitor's lawsuit in which they allege that the institution violated their civil rights, but uh, they are backpedaling big time. Also, A recent study found that 94% of Nigeria's 30 million Catholics say they attend Mass at least weekly or more. 94% compared with, it says here, 17% of American Catholics who attend Mass weekly. Also, good news in Atlanta. The airport installs an adoration chapel. The airline workers and travelers flying through the busiest (laughs) airport in the world can now spend time in the real presence of Christ located in the international terminal of the Atlanta airport. A new Eucharistic chapel will be a permanent fixture and is open 24 hours a day, seven Great. days a week. That's part of a Eucharistic revival. I love it. Yes. Every airport do that. Also, a large Catholic family is to be beatified. The beatification date has been announced for Joseph and Victoria Ulma and their seven children 
who were killed by the Nazis for hiding a Jewish family in their wow. home in Poland. Wow. They are being beatified September 10th. And finally, awesome. House Republicans sent a letter Tuesday to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and yep. Prevention, yep. demanding answers about a new classification system that allows the CDC to record the reasons why Americans refused to take one of the COVID-19 shots. So the letter states, we are concerned about the federal government gathering data on Americans' personal choices, data that serves no sincere purpose in treating patients' medical conditions, and how it may be used in the future. Good for the House Republicans fighting for God it. God bless them for it. Jesse, let's get to some soul food, brother. And then I want to give the clip from Bishop Sheen. I think everybody's going to love it. Uh, uh, Mark chapter 9, yep. verse 14 and following. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Long reading, I'm going to give a short comment. As Jesus came down from the mountains with Peter, James, and John, these are the three inner circle apostles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the twelve, and approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. The scribes are the lawyers. Immediately on seeing him, the whole crowd was utterly amazed. They ran up to him and greeted him. He asked them, "Where are you? Uh, what? what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I have brought to you my son, possessed by a mute spirit. Mm. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. It foams at the he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So again, demons attack do perform physical attacks on the human body, yep. and these are physical manifestations that also are caused by the demon. He said to them in reply, O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I endure you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, the spirit immediately threw the boy into convulsions. And, and let me make a comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, a diabolic possession manifestation looks much like a grand mal seizure. Mm-hmm. And that's why oftentimes people will confuse the yeah. two. It says, as he fell to the ground, he began to roll around and foam at the mouth. Then he questioned his father, how long has this been happening to him? He replied, since childhood, it has often thrown him into the fire and into water to kill him. That's but that's just a comment. One of the things that demons do is try to get the person to commit suicide or, or kill themselves. Yeah. It says, uh, uh, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, everything is possible to the one who has faith. Then the boy's father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. That's a good, that's a good, uh, prayer to pray after you receive Holy Communion, by the way. Uh, Jesus, on seeing a crowd rapidly gathering, rebuked the unclean spirit and said to him, quote, mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out and never enter him again, close quote. Shouting and throwing the boy into convulsions, it came out. He became like a corpse, which caused many to say he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him and, and he stood up. When he entered the house, his disciples asked him in private, Why could we not drive the spirit out? He said to them, this kind can only come out through prayer, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, only through prayer. Wow. Yeah. Some some manuscripts say through prayer and fasting. Yeah. Yeah. So some and and also notice uh, Jesus Christ. All he had to do is say one time. He doesn't have to do a two hour prayer, three hour (laughs) ritual. He just says in one sentence, come out of the boy and get out of here, get lost. And they're gone. Why? Because Jesus Christ has full authority over demons. They know that. And uh, and Jesus shares that authority with Catholic bishops. Wow. 
And uh, the Catholic bishops share that authority also with certain priests that they mandate called exorcists. Wow. And so the, the power to drive demons out, Jesus Christ performed that 27 times in the New Testament. That power resides in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Really... Full Sheen ahead. We've got a clip from Fulton Sheen 60 days before God called him home back in the late 70s. So listen to this. Bishop Sheen, do you foresee in the distant future any change in the, in the church's stand, the Catholic church's stand, and certain issues today which have been quite controversial? Certainly abortion has been. Do you foresee ever any change in that? No. Not at all? No, because we have no power over the divine law. Furthermore, suppose we did. Suppose John Paul II tomorrow said, all right, bring out your contraceptives. Pull out your scalpels. Unplug the children from their wombs. Marry as you please. Unmarry as you please. Fornicate as you please. What would be the difference between the church and the world? Wow. What's the difference between the church and the world? Great advice to us just months before he passed. You know, Jesse, I said, let's maybe we could send this to the Vatican and for Lent, maybe they can listen to this (laughs) and meditate. Or even let's send it over to the Senate fathers, the guys that are going to be doing the Senate. And listen to Bishop Sheen, because I'm telling you, Jess, when I saw that last night, I said, I've got to share this with the world because... That's gold, Terry. Yeah, that was his last opportunity to evangelize the church and the world about the gospel and not compromising on the morals of the teachings of the church. What great advice. Oh, Sheen, Jess, had you seen that before? Is that the first time? No, I've never seen it before. First time I saw it, and... And and he and he was very specific because yeah. John Paul II was the Pope when yeah. he was when he passed away. Yeah, and he said, yeah, even if John Paul II did this, uh, it, you know, it basically he yeah, couldn't yeah. do this. No. He'd be wrong. Uh, and so what what he's saying, take that as a template. Uh, but, yeah, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, Pope Francis, the same thing applies to them. They can't say anything and change anything that comes to us through divine law. They just can't do that. And Fulton Sheen again uh, gave us uh, gave us. Uh, Good, good red meat for us to uh, to be able to share with other Catholics. I'll tell you, that's one reason why he wasn't beatified because he was oh, too straight, yeah. Jess. Oh, what he yeah. just said, so many bishops wouldn't want to hear today. But you know what? It's the truth that sets us free. And Fulton Sheen was teaching the perennial teachings. We call it the deposit of faith. It can't change. Thank you, Bishop Sheen, for teaching us the meaning and purpose of life, and never ever compromising. I pray that that video gets widely watched. And I want to ask our listeners to take that and get it out to people. Hey, Jess, when we come back, our good friend, Father Murray, he's been on EWTN with the the, the Vatican, what is it, the policy that they call him? He's really speaking out against the madness that's going on in the Vatican with the Holy Father, and not out of criticizing the Pope, but criticizing what he hasn't been doing also that needs to be done, and that is to confirm us in our faith. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Wow, I'm getting texts from people. They're saying, wow, Bishop Sheen, 
If he was alive today, can you imagine what he'd be saying to the church today? Yeah, and he said just what he said to us back in the late 70s, right before his death. Full sheen ahead. All right, Jess, let's get to this next topic, brother. Pope Francis must stop the madness by Father Gerald Murray. What a brave priest. Oh, man. New York. The situation of the Catholic Church at present is, mm-hmm. one, of the gra- is one grave disorder, mm-hmm. due in large part to the willingness of Pope Francis to say, do, and tolerate things that no pope in history has ever said. That's a true statement. Done or tolerated. Yep. His recent off-the-cuff remarks instructing priests not to deny absolution to anyone who comes to confession, for instance, this is in direct contradiction to the teaching of the church concerning the requisite dispositions required for the valid reception of God's pardon in the sacrament of penance. It's a fact. Penitents who, for whatever reason, refuse to repent of the sins they may accuse themselves of in confession cannot be absolved. That's the church teaching. It would have seemed unthinkable that Pope Francis would say that they should be absolved anyway. He's wrong. But he did. I know. He returned to this theme, Pope Francis, on his recent trip to Africa. Francis told the bishops of Congo, quote, Always, always forgive in the sacrament of reconciliation, close quote. In a similar vein, in 2021, he said that he has never denied Holy Communion to anyone. Ouch. That's serious. This is false mercy. It is. It is false. And you, well, yeah. yeah. When you when you allow someone to wallow in their sin and you don't call them the repentance, yeah, that's it, not loving them, it, Jesse. You, you need to you need to read Ezekiel chapter three. Yeah. You you, you 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 your sins their sins will be placed on your soul on your that's account serious, and your judgment wow. for not for not confronting them according to Ezekiel chapter three. Yeah. yeah, and just just a quick note. Many of my priest friends saw this and they said, "I just disregarded." He said, "I know what the church teaches." It's sad. I have to just say, <laughs> you know what? No, I'm serious. They just disregarded. <laughs> now, Pope Francis wants priests in the confessional to follow his example when they are faced with a unrepentant sinner. In such a scenario, confession is turned into a meaningless charade. An obstinate sinner should uh. never be given absolution for an offense for which he is not repented. His refusal to abjure his sins uh, renders him incapable of receiving God's sacramental pardon. You know, he's taking this in this article. He's taking that from Bishop Sheen's book on confession, Jesse. He's He's taking it right from Fulton Sheen. He says, what is the logic of absolving someone who clings to his sins? Mm. The unholy farce of attempting to absolve an unrepentant sinner who intends to keep sinning is a grave violation of a priest's duty to guide the faithful in Christ's path of virtue and grace, not the destructive path of sin, spiritual death. Yet that is what Pope Francis told priests they should do. And Jesse, I look at it this way. It's not Mm. the article. A father, my dad, if my dad was giving us kids bad example or bad advice that was against the truth of the gospel, I have to say no. And it's the same way. He's our spiritual father. Our spiritual father has gone off the deep end. And I I know this title is Stop the Madness. We're praying for him to confirm us in our faith because what he's doing is he's driving us away from the gospel. He's scandalizing us, Terry. Yeah, I'm brutal. To to use a biblical word. This moral laxism is accompanied by a regrettable hesitancy to defend vigorously and publicly the church's teaching on matters of sexual morality when that teaching is openly repudiated by cardinals, bishops, and priests. Yes. 
Courageous defenders of the church's moral teachings are unfairly vilified as ideologues, Pharisees, rigorists, propagators of rigidity. I've been called about all one of those, Jess. You too. Go ahead. Backwardists. Yep, I've been called that. Critics of those teachings, such as Cardinals Hollerich, Marx, McElroy, Bishop Batsing, and Father James Martin, are given papal favor. Yeah, that's wrong. And influential roles in the church. There's no meaningful papal rebuke or discipline for these prelates for their persistent campaigns to overthrow the moral and anthropological teachings of the Catholic Church. Wow. No one's being fired for attempting to change the church's unchangeable teaching that God created us male and female, that the only morally good use of the sexual faculty is the physical union of man and wife in Amen. marriage Amen. in view of propagating the human race in a faithful, loving, and permanent marital bond. Well said. We are incessantly bombarded with propaganda asserting that God made some people with same-sex attraction and therefore he must intend for them to act upon their sexual desires that sodomy is, is as good and a holy use of the sexual faculty as marital intercourse and thus unions based on sodomy deserve the church's blessing that God made some people have a male body who are really female and vice versa. Oh my gosh. This is intolerable wave of doctrinal error is sweeping over the church while Pope Francis remains largely passive and silent. It needs to stop for the salvation of souls, not because uh, of anything else. We're talking about misleading souls in the moral teachings of the church. That's serious matter. Continue, Jess. The preparations for the October Synod on Synodality are being determined by the heterodox campaigning of those enjoying papal favor. Instead of discussing, and he's saying the liberals are running the Of course Senate. they are. Instead of discussing ways of defending the church's contested moral teachings, those teachings themselves are under assault in the discussions underway. Sad but true. The hope for a result of this relentless questioning of doctrines that have always been taught by the church as unchangeable yep. would be a gradually growing acceptance by the faithful of a supposed need to re-examine whether those teachings really are unchangeable given the alleged, you know, what I would call brave new world in which we're now living. Wow. Predictable claims about a shift in the Catholic public opinion, real or fabricated, will then be followed by a new spirit-inspired proclamation that Catholic teaching was in fact wrong about homosexuality and transgenderism because the liberals are going to say, yes, the spirit inspired us. Yes, he just remember what Bishop Sheen said at segment one about being one with the world. All these things that they're trying to persuade us is to be one with the world rather than being one with Jesus Christ's perennial teachings. And that's the issue, the salvation of souls. Go ahead, Jess. Progress versus reactionary immobilism. Mm hmm is the discussion-ending mantra employed to stigmatize any and all resistance to changing the teachings handed down from the apostles. While the progress of error in the world may indeed be unstoppable in our time thanks to the moral collapse of Western society, this catastrophe has no place in Catholicism. Amen. Tolerance of doctrinal error is not part of the mandate given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ and St. Peter and the apostles and their successors. It's almost laughable, but why do we have to even say this? Why? Because we're, we're, we're living in some crazy times. Continue, Jess. 
If those successors fail in their duty, they inflict harm upon the faithful. Souls are put at risk by those shepherds who teach men to love sin and reject virtue. It is completely beyond the power, ultra vires of any pope, cardinal or bishop, this is what Sheen said as well, to change the unchangeable moral and anthropological teachings of the church. It's false and reprehensible to claim that there are no such things as unchangeable teachings or that what was considered unchangeable in times past can become changeable in more enlightened times. That's just wrong. We're not accustomed to a situation in which the opposition to various acts of the Pope and his chosen associates is not at all a form of disloyalty, but rather a requirement of fraternal charity flowing from the primordial loyalty owed to God and his revelation by those who serve Jesus Christ in the church. When error and immorality are propagated by those charged by Christ, with refuting error wow. and discouraging immorality, our duty is to call out those shepherds, rebuking them with the charity of truth. Hey, Bishop, thank you. I wish Father Murray was the Pope. I'm going to yes. say that, Jesse. This is how popes <laughs> would speak, okay? They would they would very, very clearly say, look. Finish it up there, yeah. <laughs> I am not going to, I'm just going to yeah. say this, because you, uh, Jesse, you're yeah. doing great. I just want to say that what Father Murray's doing is his love for the salvation of souls is so great that he's even willing to tell the Holy Father, hey, you're not doing a good job. You're, you're leading souls away from God, and I'm going to do you a favor and call you out in a charitable way to say, knock off this madness. And I thank him for that, Jesse. Continue. If the church is to avoid a completely avoidable disaster, the synod and synodality must not become a moment of self-destructive questioning of the church's teachings on sexual morality yep. and other contested matters. Yep. Cardinals and bishops... Rightly horrified by where they see this process leading, should make their protest known to the Holy Father. And Jesse, we're going to do that in the next segment. These bishops yeah. are standing up because yeah. I think they realize, Jesse, that at the exit interview, hmm. everything we do, they do, it all comes back and we have to say, did we stand up for the truth and charity and share that gospel with, this, with, our, with our flock? And that's the question. I know Vigano is, and I know Strickland is. Yeah. Keep doing if the church is to avoid a completely avoidable disaster, well, no. uh, Pope Francis manifests neglect of his duty to defend the church's teachings in the face of grave error, urgently calls for a tough love. That is, intervention in which courageous cardinals and bishops, setting aside customary politeness and deference, frankly tell the Pope that this madness must stop now. And that's what Cardinal Pell did, just like Bishop Sheen, right before his death. He wrote that letter saying... Guys, stand up for the truth. Don't be wimps. Jesse, did I call them wimps? You know what, Jesse? I mean it, okay? I'm going to say it again. If you're not willing to stand up for the truth, even at the chances of you losing your job in the church, you're a wimp. And so I want to ask all of our shepherds, from priests, deacons, uh, bishops, the Holy Father, ask yourself this question. Am I willing to stand up to the world with the gospel of Christ when the cost will be maybe my life? That's the question I want to ask. Yeah. You know, Terry, liberalism is a sin, and there's a famous book that came out like 150 books, years baby. ago. Yep. Liberalism, is, it's, been, it's been condemned by the magisterium. That's right. Uh, yeah, the word liberal is, a th- in, uh, and that's what the synod of synodality is. There's oh, a, a bunch time. of liberals. Yep. The word liberal is a theological term. You can find it in the Catholic Encyclopedia, newadvent.org. And that philosophy has been has papal condemnation if you read the article because the word liberal is a synonym for the word progressive yep. and the word progressive is found in the new american bible 
the official translation of the U.S. bishops, and it denounces it vehemently in Second Second John chapter one verse nine, New American Bible. It says this quote: "Anyone who is so progressive as not to remain in the teaching of the Christ does not have God. Whoever remains in the teaching has the Father and the Son." Close quote. So you see, liberalism is condemned by the Catholic Church in, in NewAdvent.org. Progressivism is condemned in the in the in in the New Testament. This is what's going on in the Synod of Synodality. Jesse, I'm going to get in trouble. I got a couple letters last month about saying this, but there's the main reason we've got these liberals. I think many of them have bought into the teaching that homosexuality is wholesome, that it is not a moral evil in the church. And what happens is when you believe that it's not morally evil, then Many people fall for it in their own practice. Yeah, what am I saying? Many of the clergy are bought into homosexuality, and that's a problem. So I said it because it's true. When we come back, we'll talk about more bishops who are speaking out and condemning the errors in the church right now at this synod. Stay with us, family. We have one purpose, to help people get to heaven, and we want the truth to set us free. We'll be right back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Wow, Jesse, that was amazing what Father Murray did for us, speaking the truth in charity. Let's get to the growing number of bishops criticizing the Senate that's taking place. And uh, yeah, October. a report by the Pillar says that the the the, the, uh, the uh, as a result of the Senate and Citadelity, yeah. they're creating false expectations oh, of yeah. changes to contested church teachings and practices. Yeah, leading bishops have become increasingly vocal in their concern with the Synod's process, leadership, and future. It's a toxic nightmare. Here's what Cardinal Mueller says. He told EWTN's Raymond Arroyo. He says, quote, that the Synod leaders had the intention to substitute their own subjective ideas against a revealed reality of Jesus Christ, close quote, which Mueller called a path to the destruction of the Catholic Church. In an article published posthumously, just after his sudden death on January 10th, Australian Cardinal George Pell warned, quote, the Catholic Synod of Bishops is now busy constructing what they think of as, a, as God's dream <laughs> of, syn- of synodality. Yeah. Unfortunately, this divine dream has developed into a toxic nightmare, Man. despite the bishops profess good intentions. Terry? Keep going, Jesse. I'm, I'm answering okay. qu- texts from people right now. Got, Got it. it. There are ambiguities and agendas in the synodal documents. Yep. Here's one that surprises me. Tell me. But this is this is good. Bishop Robert Barron. Oh, yeah. Of Winona, Rochester, Minnesota. Yep. Recently wrote about his participation in one of the listening sessions for the Synod. I, what a liberal name, listening session. I know. Give me a break. <laughs> he, he, he said this. I found myself increasingly uneasy with two words that feature prominently in the document and that dominated much of our discussion, namely inclusivity and welcoming, Bishop Barron wrote. He said also, the ambiguity of the terms is a problem that could undermine much of the synodal process, close quote. Yep. Here's another one. Archbishop Charles Chaput. Oh, he did a good job, yeah. He also spoke forcefully about synod organizers' recent directives to participants to avoid, quote, an imposing, imposing an agenda, close quote, on the process. So Chaput responded. 
The only worthy agenda for the synod is the one given to us by Jesus in the Gospels. Exactly. The church right now is a divided house. Both the ecclesia left and right have agendas. Church gatherings should be about proclaiming the gospel and not about advancing a particular ideology well or sociological analysis. Well said. You know, Jesse, this article talks about, uh, like Cardinal Hollerick, he, he's the guy that's the, in charge of the Senate, has publicly challenged the church teaching on homosexuality. I saw the video. We played it on our show in Chicago when he was visiting. He basically says the Bible's wrong. I think it's about time we did a fundamental revision of doctrine. And this is a cardinal who's running it. So, I mean, the foxes are in charge of the chicken coop. And then one more. Yeah, cardinal, just like in San Diego. Mc, yeah, McElroy from San Diego. He's interpreting the Senate as an opportunity to change the church teaching. He, publi- he published a lengthy article. We talked about that article. And he said this, Jesse. He wanted to say that this is a, uh, really the distinction between orientation and activity for homosexuals cannot be the principal focus for our, our pastoral embraces because it inevitably suggests dividing the LGBT community into those who refrain from sexual activity and those who McEl- do not. You're, re- you're reading McElroy, right? I'm reading McElroy's article yeah, yeah. In, right. in, the, um, in the Jesuit magazine. Okay. And this, right. is, this is what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to... Say that homo, and I'm, I said it again. These guys that say that homosexuality is okay with the gospel, I, I say this right off bat be careful because they might be practicing homosexuals. Yes, I, I, exactly. Jesse, I just have to say that because I see the statistics what percentage of these priests and bishops are actively homosexual. It's, it's, a, it's tar- terrible. And I think that's one of, again, one of the reasons Fulton Sheen didn't get beatified because he was st- straight on doctrine, but he was also straight when it came to heterodoxy. I'm sorry, I said it, Jesse. Go ahead. Well, that, this is why St. Jerome in the 4th century, he warned us. Yeah. He said, it is rare to find a heretic that loves chastity. There you go. St. Ba- Jerome. That's backing I'll, me up. I'm going to say it again. It is rare to find a heretic. Yep. That loves chastity. Yep. And and in other words, it goes together, Terry. Yeah. Uh, Bishop Bishop Barron, he's also concerned with he's what he calls quote the trumping of the of doctrine. Yes. Anthropology and real theological argument by sentiment. That means emotion. He means say he's about the emotions. Liberal, How do the you feel, Jesse? The emotions. That's what he's saying. How do you right? feel, Jesse? Barron said that is the tendency to psychologize the yep. matters under consideration. Amen. Close quote. Amen. The explicit intention of many prelates to use a synod as an opportunity to revisit and revise settled Catholic doctrine yeah. could be the synod's downfall. Yep. Bishop Barron concluded, he said, quote, to throw all these settled teachings into question because they don't correspond to the canons of our contemporary culture, or what I would call, like Prager calls, liberal orthodoxy, <laughs> it, would be to, it would be to place the church into a real crisis. Yeah, and, and Bishop James Conley of Nebraska responded that Jesus himself called sinners to repent. See, this is the part that they keep forgetting, that repent and believe in the gospel. Think about Terry, that. Even, even Pope Francis forgets. I know he forgets that. And yeah. this is yes. a theme throughout Lent, throughout the... God, you can't preach the gospel without repentance because that's a huge part of the gospel. Yes. Uh, Bishop Conley says that our Lord ate and drank with tax collectors. Yes, and this is and this is what inclusion should look like. Right. But he always called the sinner to conversion. Amen. Bishop Conley pointed out, "Accompaniment for Jesus was always paired with a call to conversion." Yep. 
This should not have to be argued. It is there for all to see, close quote. Amen. Jesse, I want to shift because this article was short, but he had all these quotes. I want to go right into Bishop O'Connell's death. Just for those who just tuned in, uh, Bishop Donald O'Connell was an auxiliary bishop for the San Gabriel region. He was a personal friend of mine. I, uh, I broke bread with him. He came to our chapel to pray many times. Um, just a, a, a wonderful bishop. He would pray at abortion clinics on a regular basis, the rosary. Uh, he, he, at our spiritual warfare conference, he would come and speak. I'll never forget a lady who um, was coming from Utah saying that she needed to get an exorcism. She needed it. She said, I've been possessed. I said, well, she, she was possessed. He was possessed. You remember it. And yeah. so Bishop O'Connell took care of business right there at the Spiritual Warfare Conference. Now, Jesse, how many bishops do you know would do something like that? Because I thought he was unusual. Yeah, no, no, usually bishops run away from that. Yeah, we've heard many say that. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I know actually names of bishops I do that too. have run, I've run away. I do, too. I've heard him say that. Uh, uh, that's all above my pay scale. No, yeah, it isn't. So, yeah, but this, no, this, this bishop understood his office, and, and he was fearless. So here's what happened. On Saturday, he was shot and killed here in Southern California, uh, here in Hacienda Heights. Yep, right. At he was murdered. Yeah, it's he, he homicide. Was murdered. Yeah, it's what yeah. They, yeah. The uh, they're they're investigating his murder. The L.A. Sheriff's Department. O- O'Connell was sixty nine years old. He'd been a priest for forty five years. He yep. was a native of Ireland. Yep. Uh, he was uh, one of the auxiliary bishops of the Archdiocese of L.A., which is the largest diocese in the country. Uh, and, and he was made bishop, I think, back in 2015. That's right. We're along with Bishop Barron. Jesse, yeah, what... what he was from the San, San Gabriel Valley. Right. right, right something sure. interesting Tell about me. the San Gabriel Valley, you know about it. I do. I live yeah, here something, all my life. Yeah, something interesting about the San Gabriel Valley with the last three bishops, which which is just something that... It, it, it's just consistent with what's called a generational evil spirit. Yeah. Uh, or, or a generational curse in the Diocese of the San Gabriel Valley. Uh uh, the first bishop where there was something that went south yep. was Bishop Arzubi, who, who died of AIDS. Yep, that's right. Then the next bishop, uh, Zavala, mm-hmm. uh, Gabino Zavala, the next bishop of the San Gabriel region, he impregnates a woman, has two kids with her, and leaves his office of bishop and moves in with her. Yep, in St. Louis. Yep. Yeah. Then this weekend, the, this next bishop of the San Gabriel region gets murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, again, some something evil is happening in the San Gabriel region, uh, and this uh, the suspect's been arrested. Thanks be to God. Uh, yep, he has. But Jesse, one of the interesting things about the death of Bishop O'Connell was that, and this will be coming out at twelve noon. Another twenty minutes, they're going to talk about catching the right. person. But Bishop O'Connell was shot in the back of the head. Now that hasn't publicly been stated, but I'm sure it will come out. And when he fell forward, Jesse, as you know, uh, whoever killed him put, picked him back up, laid him down on his back like you see somebody in a coffin at a mortuary and put his folded his hands. And I didn't know what significance this was, but uh, and then left. So, Jesse, why don't you share that from some w- things that you know about this? Yeah. First of all, it, it, immediately when I found out about that, and by the way, the, the, the way we know about man. this. It's uh, it's it's in police work or in a court of law. It's called my CRI, my confidential reliable informant, which Got I'm it. not going to tell you who it is. Right. And in the court of law, when you tell the judge, my CRI told me mm-hmm. that the judge knows that uh, we're not going to tell the court who it is. I see. So I have a lot of CRIs, 
one of my CRIs, my confidential, reliable informants, yeah, told, it was an execution. He was shot in the back of the head. And he was, the killer turned him around on his back and they folded his hands over his stomach. Wow. Initially, I said, just common sense kicked in. I said, that was done in mockery of a Catholic burial. That's the way we put our deceased in the coffins. Yeah. So that was done in mockery. Not only did we kill a bishop, but we're going to we're going to lay him to rest like you Catholics do. So wow. I knew that immediately this was a mockery of the Catholic faith. Wow. And so then I talked to my two uh, spiritual warfare experts from Liber Christu. Mm-hmm. They also said, mm, "There's there's something more to that. Wow. That's." an occult uh that's an occult murder that's the way occultists place the dead body once they kill them that's a that's a ritual murder from some type of an occultist so it it even goes deeper than that it doesn't surprise me tell, either terry tell me, Jeff. because I'll, I'll tell you it doesn't surprise me because Again, I think there's some type of a generational curse in yeah. the San Gabriel region amongst yep. the bishops. I think I made that case. He did. But Bishop O'Connell, I knew him as well. Terry knew him better. Um, I, I will say this about very few bishops. I sense that he was holy. Yeah, he was. And I don't, I don't sense that with many bishops that I'm in their presence. This bishop was holy. And so I think he upset the apple cart, oh, and I'll tell you why in the next segment. When we come back, and I'm going to let you know the connection with Bishop Strickland and also Father Chad Ripperger. Wow. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're talking about the untimely death of Bishop O'Connell. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Bishop Jesse. Dave O'Connell yep. uh, was murdered over the weekend. A suspect was arrested this morning in connection with the murder of Catholic Bishop uh, o- uh, David O'Connell. And he was arrested by the Alley Sheriff's Department uh, this morning without yep. incident. Uh the detectives have identified him. They all, all we know about him is it, he appears to be a male. And uh, Bishop O'Connell, who, was, who died at the age of 69, was found dead with a gunshot wound pronounced. He was pronounced dead at the scene by the paramedics. So what what else do I know about this that, uh, that br- puts some context into this? Please tell us. To me right now, Terry, and we'll find out because the suspect's in custody, they're going to interrogate him and God willing, this is the right guy. They usually 99.9% of the time when they arrest you, put handcuffs on you, uh, you're the guy. Yep. So, so it's uh, the, the suspect is pretty much in custody. Why did he kill him? That's what's, what's going to be interesting because there's, there's different things that we throw out there. Yeah. Here's one of the things that comes to my mind Tell me. right now, as a result of the Biden administration, we live in a very anti-Catholic atmosphere. Why do I say that again? Uh, you have pro-life pregnancy centers being attacked. Right. You have Catholic churches being vandalized. That's right. You have lay Catholics being attacked like Mark Houck and others. Yep. Uh, and now you have a Catholic bishop that was murdered. 
Uh, you have Catholic judges that are being threatened. You know, Antifa that has been threatening to kill uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Brett Kavanaugh. And so there's a very anti-Catholic spirit within this oh, yeah. country right now. Oh, yeah. So Bishop O'Connell, one of the things that he was known for, you talk to anybody who knows him, they said that he was a peacekeeper. Yeah. Peacekeeper. That, the, he was a bridge builder. Yeah. And, and he, was tr- he was, one of the big things, he was trying to build bridges with law enforcement and the community in Los Angeles, South Central Los Angeles, East yeah. Los Angeles. He was a bridge builder. Also, he prayed in front of abortion clinics, which yes. is what very few bishops yeah. do, Tim. And Jesse, one thing he did, you know about the benediction he did up on the mountains of the San Jose oh. Mills. And folks now are watching it. I'm going to play a clip Terry, part that of it. pissed off the devil. Oh, it like, had to. Like, yeah. He had to. He took a five-foot-long monstrance and did a benediction blessing all four corners. Let's play the clip for our listeners who haven't sure. seen it. Yeah, yes. We're here on this on these hills, on these mountains called the San Jose Mountains. And we can see this beautiful view of these three counties, Orange County, San Bernardino. We can see uh, all the way down into downtown Los Angeles. Over here. And uh, we're here on this mountaintop to call down the power of the Lord Jesus Christ upon this whole territory that we can see here. We're calling the, what they call the glory of God upon the people and upon our land so we, we may have the restoration of our lives. So we may have a vanquishing by the glory of God of the coronavirus and so that our people can move to a new life living in the Easter joy of the risen Christ. This is why we're here. We bless all these valleys and all these counties we see around us. We bless them with the blessed sacrament, this uh, sign of the living Lord Jesus among us. And we want this, our Lord Jesus Christ, to pour out his healing power upon all that we can survey here from the whole world. Come, Lord Jesus. Bring new life to the people. Bring us out of this darkness back into your light, Lord Jesus, source of all light, source of all healing and all hope and all joy. We ask you to be to pour out that love and healing upon the world that needs so much. Amen. I'll never forget that day. I was up on that hill, Jesse. And uh, he amazed me. But you know what amazed me even more? I mean, he took the Blessed Sacrament out and blessed everybody. I'm sure that you said it, it irritated the demons. Satan. Yeah. Absolutely. Every demon in Los Angeles was, was irritated. And I'm telling you, he became a prime target uh, from the diabolical at that point. Boy, that was, that was he fired a, a 50, calen, 50 caliber cannon, yeah. uh, you know, in, 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 into the world of, of, of demons. And Terry, he consecrated and or blessed L.A. County, Riverside County, Orange, Orange County, County, as I remember. Uh, he was turning around. I mean, th- this was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen a bishop do in my lifetime. Yeah. Again, there's the world of angels and demons. The, the, the angels were, were rejoicing to see this. But again, uh, he, he put a bullseye on his back 
with, uh, you know, in, in the world of, of demons when he did this. But again, he was fearless. This man prayed in front of abortion clinics, right. went on a mountain, blessed L.A. County, Riverside County, Orange County uh, with, the, with the Blessed Sacrament. And if you listen to his, his, his prayers, this was a man of faith. Yeah. Uh, and, and also... He was into spiritual warfare. Father Chad helped him, correct? Because of the spiritual warfare conferences. Yeah, but let, exactly. Okay, so Bishop uh, Bishop O'Connell watched the spiritual warfare conferences that Terry's had. Right, and I gave them to him, yeah. Yeah, he's, that Terry's had. And he saw Father Ripperger on the spiritual teaching. And he saw the Thomistic understanding oh, yeah. of angels and demons that Father Ripperger possesses. That's right. And and Bishop O'Connell was very impressed, so much so that there was there was cases that came to him. And bishops, what they usually do is they they'll they'll farm out the cases to priests. Say, okay, you take this case. I got another case. You take this case. Bishop O'Connell was such a brave bishop that there was these two very difficult cases in Los Angeles in his region. He didn't farm them out, Terry. No, nope. he took them on himself. God bless him. Yeah, but in order, since he'd been watching Father Ripperger on YouTube, and because of the videos that you gave him, yeah. uh, when the, these two cases came before him, instead of farming them out to the, the diocesan exorcist, he wanted to take them, so he called Liber Cristo, and he got in t- contact with the team out there, Father Ripperger and his team, yep. and, and he basically wanted to know the do's and don'ts of doing this. Yes. And so, not only was this pr- bishop involved in spiritual warfare himself, not farming it out to Father so-and-so. Uh, not only did he pray in front of abortion clinics, but this bishop's done what very, what I don't know any other bishop in the United States has done. Climb upon a mountain with the blessed sacrament yep. and bless three of the largest counties in the U.S. Calling upon the power of Jesus Christ over these counties. Terry, we lost a giant. Yeah. Yeah. We lost a giant, I'm telling you. Well, if you're, now, yeah. go ahead, Jesse, continue. If you're correct, uh, we got a potential a martyr dying for the faith, potentially, when they, we figure this all out. But also, yeah. when has another Catholic bishop been murdered in the United States history of 200-plus years? Never, brother. It's the first one. Yes. Uh, and, and so, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, the fact that he was shot behind the head, and yeah. how do I know this? Yeah. My confidential, reliable informants that okay. I, don't, I don't have to tell, divulge to anybody. Um, Terry, that we call that's an execution. So it, it's not just like uh, yeah. you know you you accost somebody and and uh, and you, you want his wallet, rifle. Give me your money, give me your money, and, and he's pushing back, pushing back, and you shoot him in the chest. No, th- this was a calculated. Yeah, they didn't anything? They just shot him. Yeah. yeah, and there and and there was no forced entry into right. the house, right? Which also is going to tell homicide. Yep. That there was there was a relationship. Sure. They Someone they knew him. they knew him. Yep. Most murders, law enforcement will tell you that most murders are done from people. The the, the majority, like eighty percent, are people that have a relationship with each other. Wow. It's very few murders are done with, with a, a, a suspect with a stranger. That's that's the minority. The majority is there's a relationship with each other. So all I can tell you is, this bishop may go down as a martyr. Uh, for the faith, for for again, this man prayed in front of abortion clinics. This man was a peacekeeper. Yep. 
This man was known. Even politicians knew him as a peacekeeper. Oh, yeah. always trying to keep peace. Whenever, if there was a police Gangs, shooting, yep. he was always involved in trying to reconcile the community with law enforcement and always trying to reconcile a gang member with gang member. That's right. uh, the, again, the man was into spiritual warfare. He would consult with Father Ripperger to make sure that he was doing things properly. And, uh, and, uh, and the man went on top of a mountain. What I've never seen any Catholic bishop do with a monstrance and put on a humeral veil and consecrate to Jesus Christ three of the largest counties in the country. Uh, yeah, Terry, we lost, we lost a giant. Let's pray for his soul right now, Jesse. Lead us in a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal rest grant in the Bishop David O'Connell, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. May the soul of Bishop David O'Connell, through the mercy of God, Rest in peace, amen, and we'll pay a Hail Mary from as well, just for him. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Holy Mother, Mary of Mother of God, pray for, pray for sinners. sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on his soul. In the name of the Father, Father. Son, and of the Holy just, Spirit, amen. Just a quick note, the Knights of Columbus have been at the house the last couple nights. They're going to go nine days for a novena for the repose of Bishop O'Connell's soul. I think that's awesome. And again, Jess, you know, um, this is how our faith is passed on, too. Uh, when people die for the faith, and it, it appears that this is what had gone on with Bishop O'Connell, I'm, I'm in, I mean, to know someone like that, and uh, it, it really inspires me to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his church, brother. Yeah, Terry, you had a very good relationship with him. He was your bishop. Yep. And, and you, uh, I, you collaborated at my with home. Yeah, I, yeah. He prayed at our chapel. He supported us in our ministry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pardon me. Oh yeah. Many times, but he, but the bottom line with Bishop O'Connell, he was a man who would pray with people on the streets. He would give his, his shirt to somebody if they needed it. This was a man who loved Jesus Christ in a very intimate way. And when you met him, you knew he was a holy man, Jess. Yeah. Wrap it up, Jess. Well, you've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show. And uh, just uh, start a 90 novena for Bishop O'Connell. And again, if it, who knows, if he's in heaven, uh, God will use your prayers and, and apply it to other people in the mystical body of Christ that are in purgatory. That's a wrap. Uh, All right, Jesse. Remember, li- live in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a yeah. state of mortal sin. And remember, be holy or die trying. And remember what Our Lady of Fatima said. I think of what she said, our souls are going to hell. Many souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Many of you are suffering from ailments. Would you please unite those sufferings with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world? You can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. Sign me up. Yeah, sign me up. His life is short, brother. Eternity is forever. Wow. Up next, we got the, uh, what do we have up next? Today is Monday. We have Charles Cologne coming up on our show. Stay with us. Go to bmpr.org and get our free app. God bless you.